We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two, all engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. Welcome back to 10 Questions. Let's just get straight into it, shall we? Today's guest is Jim Owen. We tried to organise this interview over three continents. I chased him from England to Australia while I was in America. And I finally got him when he was in the car from Melbourne Airport driving to his dentist because he chipped his tooth. Now, we're going to learn a lot about Jim Owen's life in this interview as it goes on. But the brush strokes are he grew up in Northern Ireland, moved to Australia when he was in his early 20s, started doing stand-up comedy in Australia, became a star on television with Jim Owen in 1994, then wrote and starred in the movies The Crack and The Extra, both of which made their money back, which is no mean feat in Australia. Then he returned to television in 2010 with Jim Owen over the top and continues to be one of the most in-demand stand-ups in Australia and Britain. Now, stay listening to this interview right to the end if you can, because Jim Owen reveals some challenges he's had as a performer and as a human being, which he's overcome, and I don't think he's spoken about before. And as usual, I start by asking him when he was most happy. At the moment, uh, I can, can be happy with the simplest of things, like if I have to like uh, put the bins out and I've got extra rubbish, then I find that very enjoyable if I can get recycled rubbish that I can't fit into my own bin in a bin across the way. So those things at the moment are the things that really, you know, put a smile on my face, <laughs> which I suppose are fly moves, aren't they? I got caught recently doing it. Um, but, you know, there's a block of flats and they've got loads of recycled bins. And so no big deal. But I never have enough room in my recycled bin. So that makes me happy. But well, if I was to think about when the happiest time, I was talking to a friend of mine in England and... Uh, we were talking about um, going to see uh, Barry McGuigan. Barry McGuigan was an Irish featherweight boxer who became world champion in 1985, around the same time that Jim Owen watched him fight. In that one summer, we went to Glastonbury, we went to the Barry McGuigan fight, and we went to Live Aid. Wow. And, uh, wow. And I, I look back, and I went, oh, yeah, that was all in the one summer, 1985. Yeah. I was living in London. And uh, it was my first year away from home. So, but there was a lot of downtime in between that. Those were memories. I was probably putting rubbish in bins back then and enjoying <laughs> it just as much. <laughs> just back to Jim Owen putting rubbish in other people's bins. I was curious to know what the people who caught him actually said to him. Uh, no, it wasn't any. There was no exchange of words. It was just a look of disbelief. <laughs> and I did that thing where you know you just keep walking like it's really ordinary there's no big <laughs> problem and i was chatting to another neighbor hey how you doing while yeah. they just continued to give me this glaring stare how <laughs> dare you put your rubbish in our bed <laughs> i have chased a, there was, i have chased a woman who who threw her dog shit in my bin um and because you know when the bin is is emptied emptied and she's it's yeah. just been emptied and then she throws Dog's poo in it. That's going to be in there for all week. All week. Yes. So I, I got it out and ran up and gave it back to her. Um, <laughs> that didn't go down well. Drop something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the second question is: Who would you like to apologise to, and why? 
the guy I put the rubbish in his bin, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I su- uh, yeah, there was a kid I picked on when I was at school that, uh, when I think about it, left me with a bad feeling. Yeah, um, right. I, I'd apologise to him uh, for doing that. Actually, he uh, I saw him once in a pub and uh, he did the, uh, you know, give me a very angry look and a friend of mine was with me you know, they were sitting just beside me and he felt the tension and uh, and he goes, is there a problem here? And I said to Peter, you know what, let it go because he's in the right and I'm in the wrong. Oh. So I suppose, I suppose in some ways I did apologise to him, but uh, yeah, it was, we were like, you know, about seven or eight, but it obviously annoyed him too, so, and it still annoys me, but yeah, I suppose that would be the thing that would, uh, a person I would like to apologise to. And it was just it was just him that you remember picking on. You you weren't a bully per se. No, no, I was small. He was slightly smaller. Uh, <laughs> so, so the only person I could pick on was really him. Uh, question three is: What is your greatest regret? Oh, uh, I have um, I, you know I have loads of those. I, funny things happen, and then why didn't I say that? You know, or, um. or I should have said that. I have loads of those moments. There was a t- I, I went to college in London and I went to a polytechnic. They're now called universities. <laughs> and uh, I did a what's called a HND, a Higher National Diploma. And you can do an extra year and you get your degree. So you only have to do the three years. And it was in building management. But when you qualify, you get a board and mortar, a cloak, and you know those hats? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, you can get them, and you get your photograph taken. So my mum and dad came over, and I didn't get uh, order a coat and a uh, the board thing, the hat, <laughs> and everyone's getting their photograph taken. And she goes, "Why didn't you do that?" And I went, "Oh, I should have done that, shouldn't I?" And then someone says, "You can go and hire one now." So I went in to hire one, and the guy goes, "What have you done? What have you got?" And I goes, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, you know, if you've got a degree, you get this one. A H and D, you get this one." If you've got a PhD, you get like a, a big fluffy hat yeah. with purple feathers. And I just thought, why didn't I say that? Why didn't I just say <laughs> PhD? And I could have had that photograph taken with my parents with, you know, instead of the basic mortarboard, just having that really beautiful yeah. flat cap. And that always, for some reason, that just keeps coming up for me. That's funny, uh, mate. I want to go back in time and go, oh, if I, God, I would have been so good at that <laughs> photograph. I know, and it's, yeah, and, uh, the, the fact was he, he wasn't even asking for any kind of proof. It was, uh, you can have whatever you it. want, mate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing was, I've never ever showed anybody uh, my qualification. Uh, when I finished, <laughs> I got a job with an agency, and I was 22 with a HND. And they thought I was 26 with a civil engineering degree. No one ever checked. Wow. Uh, and, I, and I got paid, uh, you know, accordingly. No one ever, ever asked to see my qualifications. So. That's brilliant. That's, mm. Yeah, I, it's uh, there's a lot, lot more checking goes on these days. Is that right? I suppose, you, I suppose you can, you know, online. But uh, Oh, yeah. I did actually... I did actually use it to get my residency into Australia. So 
Um, it was a required profession whenever I arrived in Australia. It was the second on the list, uh, this thing within the building industry. And uh, so it did come up there, and then they did check it, the Department of Immigration. But other than that, uh, the amount of jobs that I've had where I've just lied through my teeth as to my <laughs> qualifications, yes. So you, you, did you start comedy in Australia? Yes. Wow. Uh, I was doing, uh, I came out here on a year's visa, and then I uh, extended that visa and applied as a builder, so that was, I was able to apply and get my residency through my qualification. So it wasn't all in vain. And what, what drew you to Australia? I came to Australia because uh, a friend of mine got deported and uh, he ended up in a flat with me in London and uh, he gave me that look and that said, go to Australia, you'll love it, it's fantastic, you know. Go, and I was going to go somewhere. I was going to go. I'd done four years in London. I'd finished college. I was going to be working outside. So I thought, yeah, this this could work like in the heat. So and there you... were friends, friends that had gone over the wire, so to speak, beforehand. I had sofas to surf on. So, so he, he got deported from Australia and then said, you know, you should go. I can't be there. You should go. Yeah, yeah. He had... Uh, he had the family there and he had been there for a year and a half and uh, I was thinking of maybe going to America I hadn't really thought where to go maybe go to another part of the UK and I always remember him giving me that look you know go to Australia yeah. and, and that was it and that was the reason I went just taking a step back, Jim Owen left Northern Ireland and moved to London when he was 18. He was in London for four years before coming out to Australia at 22. And back then, it was all about building for Jim Owen. He had no idea stand-up comedy was even a thing. But I came from a family of builders, so like that was something that my cousins and my uncles, and you know, they were all plasters. Um, um, so I worked within the industry from a young age, so... Um, and then I went from a technical college into polytechnic, so it was one of those things. And, yeah, you know, it didn't come totally left field. It was, it was there as as a trade within the family. And when did you do your first gig? Uh, I did my first gig in Sydney at the Harold Park, uh, at the Glee, uh, yeah, in yeah. Glee, in Glee, sorry, uh, yeah, uh, I did that back in uh, whatever it was. I think it might have been nineteen ninety. Yeah, right. Uh, and how long uh, were you in Australia? How long had you been? A year. I've been a year and a half. So I think it might <clears> have <throat> arrived in 88. So it might even have been, uh, I think it might have been um, the winter of 89 or something like that when I think back. You must so, have. Or a year. No, no, it's just, yeah, yeah, it would have been, yeah, it would have been the winter of 89. And who inspired really you? Who, who inspired you or what inspired you? We went along, friends and I went along to, uh, it was a pub, there was a Monday night comedy on, but we didn't even go into it. We went to play pool, and uh, a girl that was with us put my name down, and then, you know, a comic came up, Peter Fox was his name, and said, all right, you're on second in the first, second half. What? What? Wow. So, So I just got up and just purely for a handful of friends that were in the back of the room told 
two or three jokes. I said, joke jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and they, you know, I was totally naive to it. Like, I'd never even watched it. I'd never even seen it. And they, they were laughing at the fact I was telling jokes. But I thought they were laughing at the fact that they had already knew the joke. So I stopped telling the joke and started telling another joke. And they thought that was funny. And I'm thinking, like, I got, you know, fucking away with murder here. <clears throat> but you just got the taste. I got the taste and watched the rest of the night and then realised what it was and then thought, oh, yeah, this this could be uh, something to have a go at. Yeah. And as well as that, on the other side of it, there was a social scene with it as well, which was great. I was hanging out with a bunch of Irish people who were moving on, who were not intending to stay in Australia, maybe going travelling. You know, you were having to find new friends and through stand-up I got a whole group of people that we all hung out and uh, you know it was great who, who, were, who were your kind of um, comrades your comedy comrades Ak- at that time Akmal Sally yep. uh, Haskell God rest him yes. uh, Peter Fox yep uh, there were uh, a few people Ross Daniels uh, yeah saw him. and a guy who I met uh, in he was living in a, in a flat with a bunch of guys from Belfast down the road was Bob Franklin. Really? So that's how I met Bob. Bob Franklin is a London-born Welsh-raised comedian who came to Australia coincidentally around the same time as Jim Owen did. You may know him from Jim Owen's TV shows, Sean McAuliffe's, The Mick Malloy Show, Eric Banner's TV shows, uh, Bad Eggs, which was directed by Tony Martin. I asked him to do this podcast once and he wrote me a very kind letter back saying podcasts weren't really his kind of thing, but he very much appreciated me thinking of him. Of course I think of him, he's Bob Franklin. So we return to the story where Jim Owen finds a gang of comedians to hang out with after all his UK mates have returned home. And Bob uh, was on one night at the um, uh, at the Harold Park, and he had been doing stand-up for a while. He was good. He had a, like a good, you know, good 20 minutes. <laughs> and uh, he got up, and then he was living with these guys from Belfast. So through him, uh, through them, uh, we all sort of, hung out together so yeah that was a big scene i would i would love to see you and bob franklin in in conversation that would be amazing we don't say much but um (laughs) (laughs) no uh but yeah it it was um a a really uh and he was a great mentor uh for stand-up as well like he wouldn't uh he's not really like uh a loud actory sort of person. He's very no. thoughtful yeah. and, you know, the perfect ingredient for a stand-up, like someone who thinks mm. before they speak uh, and, and would mumble uh, more than he would, you know, say things out loud. But they were always, you know, well worth listening to. And, you know, so it was, it was a great, a really, really good mentor for me. Well, what I like about both of you is how you allow the audience to come to you as opposed to the, the tradition at the moment, which is to actually yell at the audience, you know, the amount of comedians who yell punchlines, uh, you know, it's, it's quite, that trend is quite annoying. Whereas uh, yeah. you just let them come to you, you know, you, it, it's, it's a good actor trick actually as well. It is, it, it, yeah, the accents seem to work as well in my favor, believe it or not, because People would have to listen in order to uh, get it, and then, mm. 
as a byproduct of trying to understand what you're saying, all of a sudden they're listening. Yeah. And you're in. Yeah, 100%. Um, question four is, what would you need to do to feel you've lived a satisfactory life? Um, lived to about 95, I think, would be a, yeah. <laughs> a, a, a good uh, uh, thing. You would always feel cheated. I reckon that's a, a full life, no matter what it is you do, just making it the full distance. Yeah. And not, and not having it cut short. Yeah. Because uh, that, I think that's just experience, really. Anything else is kind of, you know, just not, not as important. I agree. I'm all, I, I'd like to have a bit of longevity. Yeah, um, longevity. But what is there? I mean, what, I mean, people talk about this bucket list that really doesn't really. I'm more of a fuck it list. I'm not. I can't be bothered doing that. You know. Uh, <laughs> but you know, there's a, there's a big trend at the minute of things that you put on your bucket list. But I yeah. don't really have any of those things. Mm. That's a good thing, isn't it? You you. you traveled you've seen different things you you know there's not over monotony yeah 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 no i i'm i'm with you on that mate um question five is who was the person who most influenced you and how um oh we said bob franklin uh i could also say david attenborough was someone who had a very big influence on my life um and as far as he, you know, just seeing those, the world around us programs yeah. uh, as, as a kid. Because you're really, uh, when when you grow up, you're really confined to those things uh, within your environment. Yeah. And even when people speak about other countries, they speak about people in other countries and then the language of other countries. But to see that, to see a whole world of things um, out there, it, it, it still does. I mean, that planet Earth too. No, oh, it's uh, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> they could probably. They must have. I've, I've talked to a friend of mine. Oh, she's seen planet Earth too. Because where'd they go when I went to the Galapagos Islands? He goes again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have they been to the Galapagos Islands? Oh uh, yeah, and I kind of go, oh look, I've seen the Galap- Galapagos Islands ones, and then. And then I end up enjoying it all over again. Yeah. I've never seen those snakes, the, the lizards. Oh, the snakes. The snakes chasing the lizards. Jesus. That was uh, pretty good. Yeah, man. Uh, but, yeah, David Attenborough would have been, you know, more than any religious leader or anybody, really. That was the guy that opened my eyes to the world. And I went, oh, yeah, this is something beyond human being, really. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um Question six is, when was the last time you cried and why? Uh, um, see, I, I cry quite a bit. Uh, on Watching a movie on my own, I would cry. Mm, me too. Um, that's, you know, that's a really nice feeling, actually, isn't it? It's like a nice soul. Yeah. Uh, I don't like crying in front of people. I missed a flight with all my family and, uh, and then realised, uh, and then I was kind of tired. And I cried. And then my daughter told my friend, I was mortified. And then he was trying to make me feel good by saying, oh, yeah, I did it once. Too. Don't worry. <laughs> so you missed, a, a pla- <laughs> you, you missed the plane where you were going on a family uh, yeah. holiday or something, were you? Well, we were at the electric picnic in Ireland and uh, it rained out. And we got, you know, had to leave in the middle of the night because I had three kids with me. And... Uh, 
it looked so good on paper, but you know, as it turned out, it was a nightmare. Yeah. But we ended up being at the airport four hours early. But I had booked the tickets myself online, uh, Ryanair, and read just. I hypnotized myself. I even asked the lady, "What time does boarding close?" And she said the time. But I already had in my head what it was because I thought I was so organized. And next thing you know, I've missed it, and I've got to buy like you know a whole set of tickets for the family. Oh. Over a grand worth of tickets, and we've been up all night. Like you know, oh. just, yeah, that was, that was uh, that, you know an uncontrolled <laughs> crying moment. I would have cried too. I would have <laughs> cried too. Um, question seven is: What is your current state of mind? <clears throat> uh, my current state of mind is uh, good, uh, but you know, you're talking to a comic. Most of us yeah. are not great when it comes to that area. <laughs> uh, I used I used to this joke. I read this. Article about a comedian who didn't have depression. It, become, it becomes uh, the norm. But yeah, I'm getting better understanding my um, state of mind and yeah. uh, what what what's good for me and what's not. And when I travel, I travel a lot on my own. So you spend a hell of a lot of time, uh, you know, potentially deep within your head, mm. and uh, it can be a scary neighbourhood sometimes. <laughs> but right, right. I don't. don't go into that neighbourhood on your own. <laughs> uh, but no, no, I'm good at the minute. You know, I'm doing a wee bit of exercise, and um, I sometimes beat myself up for drinking too much. That always makes you feel. Apparently, the worst people with the worst state of mind were roadies. You know, you know, they to go out with bands on tour. Oh yeah, and then, and then they were, you know, they'd be flowered drinking, and then it would all fizzle up yeah and uh you know a band a roadie would be associated with a certain band and if that band you know went tits up then the roadie would be in the same position but without any sort of financial reward so apparently there's a high level of um depression within the uh, roadies because you know like it's, it's, it's makes it's, sense it's higher but it's higher it's high within people within entertainment, and it's higher again with comics. A study published by the British Journal of Psychiatry in 2014 examined 523 Australian, British and American comedians and found that comedians had a high incidence of introversion and depression. The author of the study, Gordon Claridge, said that comedy was how they dealt with their depression. So, it's, yeah, it's one of those things. Uh, you can be mindful of it if you're being dark. There's this uh, documentary series on CNN at the moment called The History of Comedy. And in right. it, Patton Oswalt talks about all the comics who self-medicate to get over depression and with drugs and alcohol. And he said so much good comedy has been written with the help of drugs and alcohol, but in the end, drugs and alcohol will always beat the comedian. And yeah. um, it's... It's it's as, an interesting thing when to walk away. When can you actually make use of it, and when can, and when do you have to walk away from it? Yeah, but that thing, like um, I just did that uh, Feb Fest in the UK, where Feb Fast, sorry, where you don't drink for the month of February. Yeah. And uh, when I was on tour in the UK, uh, I found if I drive at night, there's no traffic. Uh, you're driving, there's darkness, just the light of the car lights that little bit of the road in front of you. And 
it's a great way to unwind after yeah. a gig. <clears throat> so, and then also you can't drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, exactly. you can, so there's, you know, so it all worked towards. And by the time you reach the next place, you'd be ready for bed anyway. So, but often drinking is just that thing, as you say, self-medicating, where you're just trying to tr- trying to unwind um, and and get away from it. Well, how do you unwind? How do you unwind after a gig? No, that's what I was just saying. After if I if I um, driving if I, driving, yeah. But I if you're very easily have a few beers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, totally got to watch it. Yeah. But it, it, but it is, I suppose it's a subject matter that people talk about a lot more. But it is it's not the most entertaining subject matter. <laughs> talking about people being depressed for some reason. <laughs> but it's, you it, can see people turn off. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting other side to it that people don't get to see, you know. Um, yeah. I think it, if you've got a really, really good friend, they're, they're better than a psychiatrist, like someone yeah. you know really well you, and you're able to verbalise those things with them uh, without them going, off oh, for crying out loud, you shall. You know, yeah. especially if they have it too, then you can go, oh, yeah, this is... And just saying out loud for some reason seems to sort of banish the darkness a wee bit. It's not as bad as you think it is, and not as uncommon as you think oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's it must be interesting also for the comedian, not just you know going through the process of writing, but also um, how do you come down? I mean, you're, you're performing to thousands of people. Um, it's quite a rush, a rush that the normal human being doesn't experience on a nightly basis. Um, yeah, and it and should they, be at night, at night too, into the bargain. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And people Not are in the middle of the day. Yeah, but. people are offering you drinks. People are, you know, the, and and more. Um, it's a, it's quite a, a strange world that you're living in. Yeah, I had uh, I had uh, a period of anxiety attacks uh, that came about. And I didn't even know what they were. The first time it happened, I literally had no idea what it was I was dealing with. Um, I, I, subsequently, I read quite a bit about it. But at the time, um, I had no idea. I thought, you know, I'd, I'd gone into shock or something. Yeah. And all it was, was I flew from um, the Australia to Ireland uh, without enough sleep, doing this gig uh where, you know, those things, you know, fear can set in when you're tired. Yes. And, you know, hungry. And I wasn't even drinking. Like, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't, I wasn't drinking for, like, you know, maybe five or six years at that time. And uh, I thought, what the hell is this? And then, oh, my God, I walked off stage after walking on stage, uh, unable to do the gig, and then thinking, oh, my God, I'm in big trouble. And then really started to panic. And then read uh, a thing about it. I actually have a book that called The Panic Away, where it described what it was, what a panic attack was. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, oh my God, yeah, this is exactly it. Yeah. And and how to confront it, uh, the one-step approach, and, uh, which was ask for more of it. And uh, I could, what? I was like, no way. Wow. And uh, you, it, it says invite it on and take it on stage with you. And then that's what I ended up doing for the next two or three years till it slowly subsided was going, I know you're going to be here. I know this is going to happen, but, you know, come with me because we're going to do this together and I'll 
you know, if you think you've got me with the, you know, the collar, I'll take you with the collar out here. We'll go through it together. And, yeah. I, you know, it took, it took a bit of time, but uh, that was that was worse than any, you know, Big Dipper, skydiving, bungee jump. It was, you know, unbelievable feeling of of adrenaline and you know your body goes into shock i don't know if you've you've ever experienced no i haven't but i i i understand a little bit because what it what it's what you did by being overtired and flying and then a gig with no sleep is you open the window to this thing obviously yeah it's this guy describes it like a bell that's been hit and it just continues to reverberate so you know, it doesn't have to be hit hard again. All it needs is just a little touch, and it'll just keep wow. doing this vibrating. And that's like, you know, people looking at you sideways, and you're, you know, and any noise, or you're like, and not only are you thinking about it, but your body goes into this sort of muscular sort of spasm. Like, it's a, a defense mechanism, fight or flight. It's a thing where you literally, your body goes into a shock. So, um, yeah, freaking interesting ride. Oh wow! And you and how are you with it at the moment? Well, g- good to the point where I could talk to you, but I, you know, yeah. To be honest, Adam, I haven't really spoken to anyone about that. I really just don't want to. It's like that depression story. It's not really an interesting subject matter, <laughs> but, you know. But if you're to ask me, I'm sure. But you know, it doesn't really come up much in conversation. I I, I find it really interesting. Um, question eight is: What do you consider your greatest achievement? Uh, uh, kids is pretty good. Uh, I like. Mm. I've got four kids, and uh, you know, that would probably be it. Uh, I also like, you know, just getting away with stand up for this long is a great thing. Just that longevity thing you mentioned earlier. Mm. Uh, you know, it's it's all about about that. Sometimes even just coming in under the radar, but as long as you can keep doing it as a job, yeah, uh, those things. Getting a film up was really uh, a good thing to do. The like, crack, yeah. But just getting that, you know, getting that across the line. Like if I ever, I don't know if I'd ever make a film again. If I, if I, if I was able to get one financed again, I would just stop there and go right, yeah. You know, you know, getting to that point of getting it up is such a song and a dance. Oh People yeah. People don't realise it. They just go and watch it and they go, yeah. But you literally all of them have got maybe five to seven years behind them of people really like a dog with a bone pursuing something. Uh, uh, absolutely. I David Wenham used to always say to me, getting an Australian film up is a minor miracle. It, it's Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. It, it's very difficult. And, and sometimes you go about it yourself and you self-finance or you, you raise the money yourself and you put it on, which I did once. And um, that's... Kind of, that leaves an indelible mark on your life. In fact, you probably only got one of those in you. You know, you probably only got one of those in you. You know, for your life, you, you, you can't yeah. do that again. That's it's nuts. So I did it with a crack, and then it sort of did kind of well. It made its yeah. money back, and people were going, "You know, that's such a fluke." And I was going, "Oh my god, I didn't realize." You know, I thought, you know, it was just a financial sort of arrangement where you just keep financing this thing like a building project. And you get it up and going. You know the fact that it, uh, it it got made, and and there's so many factors to it going wrong. You don't really know at the time when you're doing it. You think, oh, this is good. 
but you don't really know until it's finished and for it to be kind of all right and a reflection of the thing you're trying to do and to get it up all those things you know result that being a great achievement and it was very much on the back of the castle doing well that i was able to get it up yeah right so so you know the fact that the castle was made by these independent uh, guys from a comedic background and it was successful and i had uh, been doing the series Jamone and doing stand up. That I think that's I know I know for a fact that's why I got on. Of course, yeah, and and um, you discovered an actor who I'm very fond of, and that's Nicholas Bell. Um, yes, yes, yeah. It was he. He's. I mean, I, that was the first time I saw him, and and uh, and I thought, who is this guy? He's amazing, you know. And yeah. he's worked pretty consistently ever since. Yeah, he's got. Yeah. I do know who he also met, but I met before it was Bud Tingle. Yeah. But I met him what a legend. when I first when I first came to Australia. When I first started doing stand up, I was in a thing called Bly. With, yeah, uh, I remember Michael the Art of Services. Yeah, yes. And uh, Channel Seven uh, said, you know, if this guy's going to be in it, you know, we need to give him elocution lessons, <laughs> and he needs to be able to uh, enunciate. Are you serious? Else. Yeah. You, and you uh, yeah. So they sent me to this guy called Bud Tingle, who I didn't know. Who he was, and he didn't. I was just. He was telling me about his life, and I was thinking, he's making this up. This never happened. Uh, you know, he sounds like a absolute legend, and you know, he was telling me everything about his life. Charles Bud Tingle was a former RAAF fighter pilot who played the retired QC who saves the Kerrigan family in the castle. He was a big star in the UK, appearing in Emergency Ward Ten, and was one of the voices in the Thunderbirds. In Australia, he was in Breaker Morant, Puberty Blues, and All the Rivers Run. I was lucky enough to interview him a few times just before he passed away in 2009. Um, let's get back to Bud giving Jim Owen elocution lessons. Uh, we didn't do anything to do with the script. He just <laughs> talked about his life. And then I would, you know, I'd go there once a week. This is a long time ago when his wife was alive and he was living out in the Dandenongs. And uh, I'd go out there once a week. And sit for two hours just listen to this guy's life. Going, oh my god, this is unbelievable! It was, and, uh, yeah. And then when we got the Jabone series, they did the same thing again. And uh, of course, I wasn't going to deny uh, Bud the work. So he, <laughs> for the whole of the series, he would sit in on the meetings. He was there all, all day, every day, and uh, you know he, that was. And then that's how I got to know him. I I think you, what a, what a legend! What an, uh, I know, I know. He I, lived two lives. He lived. He was in the army. He was. Yeah. He flew flew in the reconnaissance. Yeah, yeah. He flew a Spitfire. Um, you know, he was in these movies in America. He was a, a big West End star. Did a musical for a couple of years, The West End, and oh man. Oh, yeah, and he used to tell Richard Burton stories. If you mentioned Richard Burton, he'd say, yeah, I used to fly mozzies over Africa with him, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, it, yeah, and, oh, I, and I obviously loved the, um, the Jim Owen series. That was, uh, it, it was great. I remember as a kid watching that and, and just, because I, I remember starting going to the gym and uh, your sketch about, I'm huge, I'm huge. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Now, that came from a that came from a joke. You know, how many bodybuilders does it take to change a light bulb? One to change a light bulb, another one to go. Look at you, man! You're huge. Yeah. 
and that's basically where the that's where the sketch came from. Just a joke. But yeah. Thought, oh yeah, they'll make a couple of good characters. It was pretty. It was pretty accurate. Um, question nine: Who would you want on your side in a battle, and why? Um. Uh, the Vikings. They were pretty. <laughs> pretty handy, weren't they? Yes. Uh, yeah. And the hooligans, the hooligans, and the vandals—they were all yeah, pretty, pretty handy. Uh, yes, I don't. Uh, I suppose uh, I, I would like to be on the side of a battle where I was the wronged party, yeah. as opposed to being fighting a battle where you were the villains. Yeah, um, I like to be the person defending myself. Yeah, it's like- as opposed to. At the aggressor, of course, of course, I I would imagine that uh, where you're from in Northern Ireland, there would have been uh, some pretty pretty good fighters, you know. Around. Yeah, I'm not just well, talking about this day. I'm not talking about the troubles. I'm just talking about just in general. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. That's still uh, a badge of honour that people talk about as well in a social environment, though. Say you know, uh, do you know Frankie? Uh, he's, he's handy. He's handy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're always saying that. To you, you know, oh, I tell you, he's handy, and they oh, want him in yours. That's the very question. They they say you want him on your side. Yeah, um, yeah. I love the. I love how they underplay it by saying he's handy. You know, it's like the Americans wouldn't understand that, whereas Australians and, and Irish understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Yeah, it's a look, isn't it? If you look at it, you go, oh, he's handy. He's handy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the final question is, Jermaine, what, what would you like your last words to be? Um, I should have thought of this. We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two, all engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names. Great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. 